What's happening, ladies and gentlemen? I am Clay, and welcome to The Daily Show. Do we have a show for you? Who was actually responsible for the banking crisis? Was it the Fed? That's what we're going to find out today. Is fractional reserve banking actually a lie? We've got some evidence that might prove it to be true. Is XRP mooning and trying to tell us something? We're going to dig in. we got a loaded show. Listen, if you love the content, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. We're live every day at noon. Mikey, let's get it rolling. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon. What up, Corval? Hey, what's up, boomers? How you doing, dude? <laughs> I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm rising and shining on this beautiful Tuesday. Reading I love the news it. Per your request. <laughs> I uh, I switched back to the old mic after enough uh, internal team complaints that hopefully this has got that that deep bass. Yeah, dude. Sounds like you can record an <laughs> album now. I I, I kind of miss the the color change, but you know what are you gonna do? Clay Clay, we gotta address John Steps here. He's the first one to bring it up. It does look like you got a love nest there, dude. It looks like you're about <laughs> to host a cuddle puddle in there. Uh, we're not gonna maybe some some SBF stuff going down. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think at some point soon I'm gonna put the block bites light up back there behind oh. me, so it'll be uh extra like a real studio extra saucy that's right so dude we got a ton to cover today uh just to give you guys a bit of a preview we are going to talk about uh quick a quick bitcoin update two minutes max uh did the fed actually cause the banking crisis that's what i want to know uh i went down a complete rabbit hole at about 5 30 in the morning uh looking through fed docs and corval i'm going to present them to you and get your feedback on what we think is going on is fractional reserve banking a lie? We got stuff going on with XRP. I want to get the latest on Binance. There's there's a ton to cover today. So I say let's waste no time. Okay. Let's get into it, dude. <laughs> uh I, I like are you are you at SeaWorld right now? No, dude. This is just what happens in Seattle. Is uh you know, killer whales just a jump, leap at people. <laughs> uh you made it all, all the way west. So uh guys if you are watching this um i'm gonna have corval pick the funniest comment of the day and there was a tweet that went out this morning um from firebird and basically there's a uh, so chronos fi is a solidly fork that's going to be launching on arbitrum and uh they are whitelisting nfts for the launch and basically if you follow Kronos, follow Firebird, retweet the post, and hold 50 FBA in your wallet, then you can qualify for a uh, NFT on the whitelist. And today, we will give away uh, 51 FBA for anybody who has the funniest comment during the show. So, just want to show some love and uh, make sure you guys are included in, uh, you know, in, in the potential whitelist. So, you know, happy days, Corval. You're going to be uh, on top of the comments. Yeah, I'm in there chatting right now. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. So I didn't hear anything you just said, but I'll pick a comment. <laughs> just yeah, you just gotta just gotta pick the, the funniest ones. I think you can mark them as we go through. So, man, 
like what kind of clown world do we live in at this point where uh let me i'm actually need to share instead of uh a tab let me share a window uh ba -ba -ba -ba. there we go all right so what kind of clown world do we live in where the, you know the c the cftc sues binance because eth is a commodity and the sec sues crack kraken because eth is a security like it doesn't get any more uh just out of control than this yeah this is uh not nice <laughs> nice nah, I mean, uh yeah i think it doesn't really matter i like i think they're just doing whatever they want to do there's no consensus yet there's no direction here they're yeah releasing all the dogs it's like the the left hand has no idea what the right hand is doing uh which to me signals that they don't know who's going to be in control of this ecosystem this industry um and it's just it's wild to me man it's, Lord, wild, it's wild to watch it unfold we could be even more nefarious and say that because it's not like officially designated as either, then it can be pursued as both, right? That's true. Like, they just so, want you. <laughs> so just cast a wide net and see what sticks, right? It's like putting exactly. a blindfold on and throwing darts at the wall. Let us know in the comments, guys, uh, why you think both of these parties are, are going after separate actions. Is it about control? Is it about casting a wide net? Let us know what you think. Uh, but it is truly a a clown world that we live in right now, and it's just it just blows my mind. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, as if the banking, you know, things needed to get any worse. Uh, it was announced today that five major banks were raided for over a hundred billion dollars in fraud in France. And I know there's been protests in the street uh, for a number of reasons. Um, I think it had to do with raising the the retirement age originally, but uh you know hsbc on the list i mean it really just like it, it just goes it goes deeper and deeper and deeper did you did you get a chance to see this uh yeah i saw this in passing mostly what i've been seeing about france is just those riot photos it's yeah. uh too much dude well france is doing too much right now they're raiding all their banks they're burning the cities down or whatever or burning cars in the cities yep it's uh as it's drake on would say we, we, we need more body bags the, the world is on fire it's uh it's absolutely crazy like these are just anecdotal pieces to get into the show but uh just things that that we come across we're like you know how can this possibly be reality so um well with that said let's uh i, I think we want to jump into some some bitcoin real quick what do you think okay yeah let's see some bitcoin dude all right uh, so, so as I said, we're going to keep it to two minutes, super quick. Um, and so, you know, we talked about yesterday, Bitcoin showing a bit of weakness since the 18th, we've been in somewhat of a rising channel. Um, and yesterday, which was the 27th, uh, Bitcoin fell through that rising channel of support and retested 26, six. Uh, and that has been an, that, that's basically an important level to watch the 26, six. And you can see on, on the chart that we have touched it. Uh, numerous times down here on the blue line, one, two, three, four different touches of support. Um, if we are to lose that, then I then you know I, I stand by what I said yesterday, which is I think that we go down um, and continue continue down to potentially test the 200 week moving average down here at 255, uh, at which time we could probably find support, new buyers, and start uh, a next leg up or a next run up hopefully for a test of 30K. 
And so that is the very, very quick analysis. Uh, if you want some Wait, hopium. So, so, so I should open a long at 26, 650 or whatever. I would, I would not do anything until there's a confirmed move of, of whether 26.6 breaks or if you see a break up back Bruh. into this rising wedge. All right, all right, I'll settle my hands, dude. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, we are, we're in uncertain times, and this support level is pretty key, is basically what I'm saying. Okay. Um, okay. You want some hopium. Uh, I, I love TED Talks macro. Like, a lot of the stuff he puts out is fantastic. Uh, and we've said on the show many times the comparisons to 2019 that we see with Bitcoin. Uh, and he also draws a lot of those same comparisons in terms of being back in a bull cycle you know, in the start of a bull cycle. We're certainly not uh, and, and you know, we're not moving like it's a, a bull market, but, you know, we could be headed that direction. And he gives a, a few different comparisons as to why in 2019, the Fed cut rates 3x by October, beginning to expand the balance sheet in September. And this year, they've begun to expand the balance sheet in March, and we expect 100 basis points of rates cuts uh, priced in by the end of the year. And in 2019, the price bottomed 83% lower uh, off an AF and 500 days prior to the 2020 halving. And this year, we're 78% lower off of the AF and 500 days prior to the 2024 uh, halving. And so what was your, uh, what was your saying, Corval, about, about things rhyming? I asked you yesterday history rhymes dude it doesn't repeat it rhymes man there you go history doesn't repeat it rhymes and so uh if you do believe that we are um mimicking the same type of events of 2019 then you know potentially ted is correct and uh that's a bit of hopium on on the on the bitcoin side so we'd see some consolidation and then a big move up towards the back half of the year as the fed backs off on the funds rate and uh, moves rates down. Um, so that's that's what Ted had to say. If you if you want some uh, some Ben Cohen mopium on the other side, no. uh, personal savings rates are looking like shit. Uh, and you can see kind of the lowest that they've been since 2008. And, you know, I, I think we, as we know with inflation um, still raging and the Fed still up to their uh, rate hikes that people are hurting and and it's it's very very reflective in this uh, personal savings rate um, chart and and honestly I can I can feel it dude uh, you can feel it all over the place so you know not to say that we have to have those crazy spikes like we saw in 2020 to have a bull market or to have Bitcoin move on really big clips but it is indicative of the you know just the, the how the economy is affecting everybody right now. And so I don't know, you know, how you feel about this Corval, but yeah, I, uh, I was actually wondering what this meant for like deposits and banks, like the size, um, this is like the savings rates is how much people are putting in, or it's just like the size of their savings accounts. Size is, I think it's the size of their savings. And it's what people like, like right now, the, the, the credit huge savings, spike, dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you mass print semi checks and uh, everyone got scared, them. just dumped them in their bank account. Yeah, usually Americans spend that shit immediately, <laughs> just like like sand through their fingertips. I, it's I wild that it was ever that high. I think that's probably what we saw, like the mass re redistribution of of the semi checks that were handed out uh, during COVID. Obviously, savings rates spiked, and now they are back down to the lowest levels that we've seen since the Great Financial Crisis of two thousand eight. So, yeah. there's your modem from Ben. I want to address to Mac Hawk here real quick. It it's, yeah. does not account for investments. It, 
an investment would be considered like spending. Um, this is like just straight up like how much cash do you stash in a bank account? Yep. Which hey contributes to our next point there, Clay. It does. It does. So so this so like early this morning, like five thirty this morning, I found myself uh basically like this, uh laying in bed, thinking about the Fed as as normal people do. And and it prompted this basically this idea of like because you see it all over Twitter, right? It's 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 Elizabeth Warren has said it, whether you agree with her or not. But um, Balaji has, has really come out and said it like, did the Fed cause the banking crisis? And that's something that I want to go through with you today. Uh, and there's a lot of like a ton of like, you know, I found myself on the Fed website going kind of layers and layers and layers deeper, um, sort of answering the question, is fractional reserve banking a lie? So like as we know it, all of the things that we thought to be true, this 10% had to be on reserve. Is that actually true? And you don't hear the mainstream media talk about it. You don't really see it talked about by the Fed in you know in any policy discussions. Like it's not something that is like widely known or really even discussed. And so I'm going to take you through a series of stuff, and and you and basically you play devil's advocate and tell me what you think. But um, you know I, I think it'll be fascinating. Do, baby. What's that? I said I always do, baby. I always will. <laughs> tell you what i think devil's advocate style everything is a lie i i, I think it'll be fascinating cash, for, for the people that are watching <laughs> say what no i was looking at crypto beans comment everything is a lie who's echoing you it's true dude this whole system what a joke yeah so <laughs> let's get into it man so like so the the question to you is did the fed cause the banking crisis and the secondary question to that is, is fractional banking a lie? And so, you know, like, like Tom Riddle, uh, I found myself in the restricted section of, of the Fed's library uh, and, and fell down a rabbit hole of very strange things that, that made me think like, maybe everything that we think we know about fractional reserve banking is actually not true. And, uh, you know, and so, yeah, psyops me harder, but wait till you see what we've got and then you can decide whether it's psyops or not, right? So okay. this is policy tools, reserve requirements. Sorry, Corwell, what were you going to say? No, I was confirming. Go on. <laughs> oh, all right. Let's get into it. So uh, it's fractional reserve banking lie, right? So as announced on March 15, 2020, the board re reduced reserve requirement ratios to 0% effective March 26, 2020. This action eliminated reserve requirements for all depository institutions. So what do you read in that statement? Uh, there are no reserve requirements for all depository That's institutions. Correct. Which you is don't pretty have to carry odd. Any cash at all, period. Right. So at least by so, requirement. And this is and, and it struck me as odd timing because like this was right before the money printer, you know, was going to turn on uh, as part of, of the Fed's monetary policy. Uh, very much aligning with the timing of COVID as well. So strange, right? So reserve requirements would be reduced to 0%. Prior to the change, uh, effective March 26, reserve requirement ratios on net transaction accounts, which we are going to define, differed based on the amount of net transaction accounts at the depository institutions. So prior to, the, prior to this date, uh, the amount of reserves that you had to, to hold effectively based on the account type right so 
In March 2020, they re they basically reduced the reserve requirements to zero percent. Hmm. For everything, right? So there used to be distinctions between the types, but now it's just all of them are zero. It doesn't matter which which type it is. So yeah, so that's actually explained perfectly right here. So uh, I went I went basically down to like every change they've ever made going back to like 19. Uh, well, I guess whenever the Fed was founded is how far back this goes, but 106 changes basically. So effective from the reserve maintenance period beginning March 26, 2020, the 10% required reserve ratio against net transaction deposits above the low reserve tranche level was reduced, reduced to 0%. The 3% reserve required ratio against net deposits uh, in the lower reserve tranche was reduced to 0%. This action redu reduced reserves by an estimated $200 billion. So the 10% res was reduced to zero. The 3% was reduced to zero. Like, has anybody else been talking about this? Because to me, it's like as we go further down this, you're going to see how it ties into Fed monetary policy. But does this find, you know, do you find this as odd? Yeah. I Googled some other stuff about this, like the justification. And it, they they made like a case, but I think you're gonna blow the lid right off it, Clay. I don't know why no one's <laughs> talking about it. Um, maybe because it's kind of boring. I don't know. It like what are reserve? I mean, it's all in banker language too. Like trench. What do they mean right. by that? <laughs> like, is that all? Is that all, or is it just those two tranches? Or do those two tranches well, cover it all? Well, let's let's first define so reserve requirement ratios on net transaction accounts, right? So that's what they reduced from 10% to zero, 3% to zero. What is a net transaction account? So a net transaction account is traditionally used for day-to-day -day expenses and often comes with a debit card so you can withdraw cash or pay for things. Most people get their salary paid straight into their transaction account and then use them to pay bills automatically or transfer money into savings accounts. So that's what the actual net transaction account is. So in 2020, the Fed decided that the banks could hold zero 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 percent against net transaction accounts yeah yeah and, bob and if you're paying attention that means if you were to rob a wells fargo you would not get anything there would be nothing there to take they have zero right. they have zero dollars on hand to cover any of their withdrawal <laughs> withdrawals so like but why so like th like that's mind-blowing to me and like why why would they do this like wh what what would make the fed want to do this around the timing of, of turning the money printer on uh, and it really came down to controlling monetary policy but to your point there was this article reserve requirements should and must be set to zero bank policy institute uh and, is, and that's who basically put it out was the bank policy institute and they give a bunch of reasons as to why the fed should make the reserve requirement zero right so the first fed staff study considering floor framework states this option would reduce reserve requirements to zero. This expectation is completely reasonable. So why on earth would that be reasonable, right? So like we, we know that this banking crisis, there were not enough reserves that the bank had on hand, but now we see that the Fed actually said that they didn't need to have any on hand. And so you, but basically what we're gonna see is that they shifted the policy uh, to buying treasuries and, and I'll show you why. But like this is so, mind-blowing that like none of this is actually spoken about but this is what's clearly listed like it's right in front of our eyes right so um so 
basically in in the floor framework the fed has now adopted the fed oversupplies reserve balances driving the federal funds rate down to the floor established by the interest rate the fed pays on reserves so using reserve requirements to establish a stable demand for reserves is unnecessary so basically what they're saying is the fed funds rate is going to dictate banks you know how much banks can get in interest how much banks you know interbank loans like they don't need to hold cash on hand uh, because the Fed can control that through the Fed's funds rate. And that's there's actually a term for what this is called, and this is what they transition to. And we're going to talk about that in a second. So basically, while the legal must is clear, there are good reasons for the should. Specifically, doing so will help avoid further turmoil in money markets, reduce the extent that the Fed must blow up its balance sheet, increase the supply of credit to the real economy, and could improve bank liquidity. So any uh, any thoughts, comments, questions on that? Yeah, so I kind of was thinking, so one of the reasons they say why they needed to reduce the, the reserve ratio was because like the funds that were held in the reserve were never really like, used or something. Um, it seems like this is just removing regulation like because there's nothing stopping a bank from being like, we need to keep so much cash on hand. This is just stopping the government from saying you must have this much cash on hand, right? But I mean, look, if, if the policy isn't that you must have it, then obviously they're going to go with a completely different policy. And, yeah, that's, and this, that's what we're getting at because they're like a profit maximization. They're companies, right. they're, they're supposed to maximize profit. So sitting on cash is not good business for them. The, the <laughs> so they have to do something else. The Fed's policies turns our turned our banks into effectively hedge funds, like with 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 our deposits at hand, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, required reserves are excluded by supervisors from the stock of assets judged to be available to meet liquidity requirements. High quality liquid assets (HQLAs). Basically, if you go backwards, when we when we first talked about the banking crisis, the idea was that the banks had gone out and bought long term treasuries, right? Ten year bonds. That's what an HQLA is. So basically this article is saying by allowing 0% reserves, they can go out and participate in buying uh, these bonds. This is the now directive of the Fed. This is what enables them to go out and do this. This is why the banking crisis could be the Fed's fault, right? So this is this is the, the narrative starting to come together, right? So, so it's like they took, so it's like, you know, Daddy tells you you got to have a rainy day fund. So you have your little jar filled with coins or whatever, right? And then one day he says, you don't have to do that anymore. And you immediately go spend all your rainy day funds on like treasury bills. <laughs> yeah. And, and not only yeah. that, you are directed to do so. And so like, so while we have this banking crisis and I was shocked and everybody was shocked as I, as I read further that, uh, you know, folks <laughs> like the bank policy Institute are, are, uh, you know, imploring this this zero uh, rate requirement—it's it's absolutely mind-boggling, right? So, excess reserves, so bank deposits at the Federal Reserve in excess of required reserves, are not only included in HQLAs, but they are also considered the safest and most liquid asset a bank can hold. So that was the narrative, right? Go out buy ten-year Treasury bonds. It's the safest thing you could possibly hold. Yeet all the money that you're sitting on. Your reserve requirement is zero. We all good, baby. Like, let's just let's let this let's let this ride. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like uh, someone mentioned earlier if this was intentional, and it does kind of seem like 
it would follow that when you peg decided to peg like the bank's reserves to the federal funds rate like exclusively and then you jacked up the federal funds rate so borrowing intraday like intraday bank borrowing would be more expensive that you would be <laughs> incentivizing a liquidity crunch on top of the hqlas you're talking about that right they've switched onto their books it's I mean, also very funny because at the top they mentioned that like this new policy would reduce the need for the fed to expand their balance sheet and a couple other things and the very first thing that happens is they also have to buy <laughs> they have to buy a shitload of their t-bills back like massively expand their balance sheet complete backfire yeah let's like it's it's like it's it's either like mass stupidity planned or complete backfire i don't i don't know which one or a combination of all three so our first recommendation for for stalling the turmoil was change the rules so that banks could use required reserves as a backup source of liquidity allowing for the inclusion of required reserves in hqlas which is high liquidity uh, uh high liquidity assets so basically going out and buying bonds the same outcome could be accomplished by setting the reserve requirements to zero so there you go. So like this is all, you know, like it's all right in front of our face. So to me, is the Fed causing this banking crisis? I'm going to go ahead and say yes, but let's let's continue on. So eliminating required reserves could also provide small boost to economic growth, which was, you know, obviously the point in 2020. Historically, one uh one of the purposes of reserve requirements was a tool for influencing the supply of bank credit and thereby the economy. When the Fed raised reserve requirements, banks could take in fewer deposits and had to reduce lending. So basically, the more the more cash that they had to have on hand, the less that they could lend out. So the more the more efficient and safer they were, the less that they could do in the free market. Like, man, imagine that. Like, that's what what you know. That's like it's it's ass backwards. No, it makes perfect sense, dude. The more dollars you're holding, the less dollars people are spending. And this this is my favorite sentence of the entire thing. Uh, required reserves serve no purpose, not even as a source of liquidity. They're completely sterile asset. Every dollar a bank keeps on deposit to the Federal Reserve to satisfy reserve requirements is a dollar the bank is not lending out to businesses and households. So, you know, capital so that, inefficiency. That, what's that? Capital inefficiency, bro. It's not capital efficient to have savings. You should be spending it all, all the time on it's, assets. So, so, so the original question, obviously, is did the Fed cause the banking crisis? And the secondary question, if you're just joining us, is is fractional reserve banking a lie? Uh, basically, the precursor to this was that on March 26, 2020, the Fed said basically reduced the reserve requirement ratios of banks to 0%, not 10, not 3, 0 so uh you know that's basically th th that's that's where we've gotten thus far so why would you eliminate this reserve requirement so effective march 26 2020 in light of a shift to ample reserve reserves regime so that's that's what they implemented instead of having a reserve requirement so this thing called ample reserves regime and we're gonna define what that actually is right yeah that's like uh what's that book 1984 they say news talk where you like come up with a word that means like the opposite and that's what they tell you it's ample reserves but there's actually no reserves right yeah that's <laughs> dude, that's so perfect that's exactly right uh and then my other favorite part 
Is the elimination of reserve requirements permanent? Currently, the board has no plans to reimpose reserve requirements. However, the board may uh, adjust reserve requirement ratios in the future if conditions warrant. Um, maybe we're at that point where conditions warrant. I, I don't know. But those are. Uh, this is from the FAQs of, of basically the Fed doc. Um, so yeah, so it's it's absolutely crazy. So like, what is this ample reserve regime? That's my question. So open market operations, maintaining ample reserves. Open market operations are the buying and selling of government securities by the Federal Reserve. And in particular, when the Fed buys a security, it pays for it by crediting the appropriate bank's reserve account at the Fed. So all of this, this entire situation that we're in, of buying treasuries, of, of, the, of the banks being insolvent, is a direct correlation to having no reserves, which is a mandate of the Fed in 2020, switching to this ample reserve policy uh, where they could literally just go out and yeet into treasuries. And it's actually the directive of the Fed. And this is kind of what ample reserves are, right? So, uh, so the Fed uses open market operations periodically to ensure the level of reserves in the banking system remain, remain large enough so that it can continue to lean on its administrative rates of implementing monetary policy. So basically where I'm going with this is they switched to this system so they could put the Fed funds rate down to zero, print money like hell, loan as much as possible and stimulate the economy. And, and that like there's zero protection for the average consumer in the banking industry if there's zero reserves on hand. I mean, there's the FDIC. That's their <laughs> okay, protection. So, so anybody that's got more than $250,000 has no, you know, effectively no protection unless we bail out everybody. And frankly, yeah. if all the banks collapse, there's not even enough FDIC money to take care of the problem anyway. Mm -hmm. But like, dude, this is like... Well, like, that's where the Fed steps in. And then they, like it says here, they just buy your ass, your toxic assets and give you cash for them. Like, it, it, am I am I crazy to think that this is insane? Like, like guys in the comments and everybody watching, let me know, like, like is this... Is this insane to you? Like, is this is this boring or is this actually insane? Because to me, like, going layers deeper on this, like, it's to me, it, it's undoubtable that this was caused by the Fed policy. Isn't it? Does it kind of remind you of a lot of like shitcoin economics? Like, doesn't this seem like it's kind of moving towards like shitcoin economics? Like, like the idea, like, you just give me whatever, I'll just like mint like my my asset against it, like whatever toxic fucking garbage you gave me, and you have money now. You know, is, like just doing it over and over and over again. That's like where, uh, and when you consider what Fed now wants to be. So how I'm seeing this is like previously the Fed encouraged you to hold a lot of cash on hand, right? Yeah, Sulaki's yep. right. This is leading to a CBDC. This is there. This is like a very small step, not small step, but it's one step towards becoming like, uh. Uh, the sh the shit coinization of the dollar, <laughs> right? Like the the idea of like every bank is required to have reserves up to an amount, and now they don't, so they have to rely on intraday trading. So that's like just in time liquidity. Like I can, you know, borrow from some other protocol to get liquidity I need, right? Yeah. But when you introduce the Fed into the middle of the system, now you're just like minting, <laughs> like you're just going directly to the Fed getting the cash. Getting going directly to the Fed, getting the cash. It's cool, man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's where we're heading. And the the timing of this, if you remember, um, last week we went through uh, CBDC as an episode, and and the ISO two zero zero two two, 
exact same timing as the Fed changed this policy. So just just go ahead and note that. Um, but what they really blame it on is the 2007-2009 uh, financial crisis changed monetary policy implementation. So as a result of between 2008 and 2014, the Fed conducted a series of large-scale asset purchase programs to lower longer-term interest rates, right? So how do we see interest rates go over the, you know, the last few years? They were effectively zero. Uh, ease the broader financial market conditions and thus support economic job activity and creation. Uh, in particular, the Fed purchased sizable amounts of long-term securities issued by the U.S. government and issued or guaranteed by government-sponsored agencies such as Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. That was the bailout. These purchases not only increased the Fed's level of security holdings, but also increased the total level of reserves in the banking systems from around $15 billion to $2.7 trillion in late 2014. Uh, at this point, reserves were no longer limited, but quite plentiful or ample. So basically, the Fed took control saying, we don't need banks to backstop individuals. We will do it ourselves through the purchase of government security bonds. We will grow our balance sheet, simulate the economy, and continue down this fucking rabbit hole uh, where you can tell me that they didn't cause the banking crisis, and I'll tell you you're nuts. So mm -hmm. does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So so what are the options for banks then, right? So all right, so you don't have to hold. Now you can hold zero reserves. No big deal. 10% uh, reserve to zero, 3% to zero. Uh, you can deposit funds at the Fed, and you can earn interest. You can loan to a bank, like you said, Corval. Um, and we can define FRR up above here. We'll, funds rate. And there you go. Uh, and you can loan to the bank and earn the federal fund rate, which was close to zero for a long time. So why, why the hell would you do that? Uh, mm -hmm. Or you can invest in treasury bills and earn the bill rate. So where do we think we all landed here? And my, I, think that, think, I think we all know the answer, right? The and bill rate. Right What's the IOR, the first one? Uh, interest on uh, reserves. Oh, okay. So you had the option, to your point, to keep reserves if you wanted, and you could deposit them in the Fed and earn interest. But I think that, as we see with the banking failures, uh, you know, the ma the mass majority of banks went this route, right? Invest in Treasury bills, mm -hmm. earn the bill rate. Cool. So, uh, again, reserve requirements, funds that uh, funds that banks must hold in cash, either in their vaults or in deposit at the Federal Reserve, with reserves ample. And many banks holding excess reserves, reserve requirements do not play a significant role in policy implementation. In fact, as of March 26, 2020, reserve uh, requirement ratios have been set to zero. So uh, we will continue on. So like this is this is the reasoning, like, and this gets kind of like a little bit out there and a little bit complicated. But basically, they're saying that this was the the old uh, way of, of holding reserves. So as your, your supply of reserve moved to the left, the Fed's fund rate generally went up. So, so demand of reserves went up, so did the Fed funds rate. Well, the Fed didn't like that. The Fed wanted to be able to control the Fed fund rate with either uh, open interest rate or you know, other mechanisms. So basically, eliminating reserves on hand and shifting to ample reserves free, gave the Fed free market control meant they could manipulate the Fed funds rate through monetary policy going back to the RRP definition, which is here. An overnight transaction in which the Fed fund sells a security to an eligible counterparty and then simultaneously agrees to buy the security back the next day. And so basically, they're using their own form of market manipulation uh, and having banks go out and buy treasuries either overnight or long term 
Uh, and that way they don't have to worry about where this curve is, is steeping because supply is effectively zero. And as long as you move along this, they can keep the Fed's fund rate stable with their own mechanism. Does that make mm. sense? Yes. They're using tools <laughs> to manipulate the market. Sorry, I've just been thinking about the Suvlaki's message. Is uh, With Fed now, are banks still needed as they are today? And I would say yes for now because of this exact complicated-ass system they have set up to manipulate banks as they are. What do you think, Clay? It would make, like, I mean, FedNow will take time to develop the tools to manipulate these things more minutely, I think. it's Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to say because I don't I don't know what tools they plan to implement. Like, like is there a reserve requirement with FedNow with banks or not? Like, I have no idea. But if you have FedNow, if you can just I, immediately I, tap into the Fed whenever, that's just like the right. next step in this system. Right. I mean, the, the limited reserves framework leans on the Federal Reserve's use of open market operations to make adjustments to the supply of reserves, and the market's Fed fund rate is at the FOMC's FFR target. So look, guys, I've, I've gone through a ton of stuff. I know a lot of it's confusing, but very, very plainly, if the banks do not have any reserves on hand, if, if the effective rate is zero, then, then they have to lean on the Fed as basically the issuer of of security for these banks right so then they can control that through uh interest rates through fed swaps in terms of treasuries like this was all planned it was all implemented um i guess going back to 2007 2009 and then implemented before covid truly um and so if i was to you know if i if i repose the question did the fed cause the banking crisis my answer is yes if i repose the question is fractional reserve banking a lie my answer is yes and and like Plain as day, and as it always is, it's always right, in, right in front of us. It's gonna result in some sort of consolidation of power of the Fed, right? I mean, already the Fed kind of runs the banking system, but even more directly now, right? Literally, just owns yes. every bank's balance sheet <laughs> entirely. Yes, and and now we're seeing banks fail, and like, is that a coincidence? Like, do we want a consolidation of of a few banks? Because it's a lot easier to implement, you know, something like Fed now when you have five major banks instead of five, or uh, I think it's 3,998 at this point. But like, you get my point. And so, mm -hmm. what we what used to happen is that the Fed's open market trading desk would use open market operations. So basically, it would purchase government securities from primary dealers who would then sell those securities on behalf of their clients, which is us, uh, in the form of federal, you know, bonds effectively. And the money received from the sales would then be deposited into the banks, resulting in an increased level of reserve in the banking system. That's how shit used to work. That didn't happen anymore. After March 26, 2020, we no longer needed to do this. Uh, and so basically, to close it out, let's do the summary statement, because this is my favorite part of the entire freaking thing. Here it is. Summary. The way the Fed implements monetary policy has changed. It is important for teachers and professors to understand the current framework so they are teaching their students accurately. <laughs> here we are. Here we have provided a discussion of key concepts of ample re re uh, reserve regime, and con uh, uh, and contrasted the features of the old and new frameworks to support instructors in this in endeavor. So, indoctrinate your kids so they understand that we no longer need reserves in the banks because this this thing works so well. That's basically what I read. 
I read it as like we changed how we do it, so you should teach them how we actually do it instead of how they we used to do it. But <laughs> <laughs> but fair fair enough, indoctrinate them. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, look, man, I I know that was a lot, but I I like I had to go down this like I I hope that for people watching it is informative because to me like like it's 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 all really really nuts, um, and none of it gets talked about. Like, like the fact that that exists, I had no idea until a couple of days ago. And so, uh, I just had to take you down that journey and, uh, and I hope that you appreciate it and enjoy it because, uh, it's, it's a frightening reality in my mind. So it was enlightening clay. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I don't know if you're giving me shit or if you're serious. No, I'm but, not. I'm being serious, dude. Banking yeah. is like, um, like really arcane, dude. Like they use a lot of really annoying complex language to describe things what is it like jargon there's just a lot of jargon in banking um when it's all kind of simple i think so it was helpful to walk through it for you to walk through it so we 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 got the intro we got we got the problem we got their solution now now let's hit the outro like what do you think happens from here what's your guess based on everything that we just saw um so kind of what i was thinking when I first read about this was that this was just leading into the fed now system, which would just be like a pseudo, not like a blockchain, but kind of how we see the blockchain things function together uh, like that in that just like putting it all on like one database to work faster, more seamlessly like transfers and manage liquidity across multiple banks. Um, I do see, it evolving not quite into a straight up CBDC as many people have probably thought about it. And I don't know if it's even really that bad of a thing. I don't know. Uh, I'm not really super scared of a CBDC that some parts of them are kind of scary. But when I think about it practically, living in life in America is already pretty scary. If you're that worried about your money security, they can, like people have brought up, they can freeze your bank account whenever they want. Yeah. They I mean, your asset. You know, if they charge you with the crime, Clay. They could just I, take all your shit, bro, and say like you I, got this as part of the crime. So like, I don't, I, but I don't know. If, I don't know if I see this as as the step towards the CBDC. I don't, I don't think that's what this was about. Like we were in, we were in I think an it's the absolute, groundwork for it, the the, the frame I, infrastructure. I, maybe, but like, but we are completely speculating because we don't know what the actual like banking system like fundamentals is are going to be in terms of a CBDC. Like they they did this because. In twenty in twenty twenty, we were in dire straits. It was COVID, shit had hit the fan. We needed to pull ourselves out of economic mass recession. Like, had to get the economy going again. The only way to do that was to keep interest rates at damn near zero and print money like hell. And if you're going to do that, then you need banks out loaning and giving and you know reinstalling energy into the market. Uh, and the only way to do that is to have them either make money on their reserves or be able to to lend those reserves out to the you know the average user. So. Uh, what I think this is, is the ultimate backfire. You like the plan was great. We're going to control the fed funds rate by having effectively this monetary policy where we are in control of what the rate is, regardless of what reserves are kept on hand. But we're also going to print money like, like, you know, in an insane rate and spike inflation to historic levels. And now all these treasury bonds that we told you to go out and buy. Yeah. They're worthless. And so like, this is like the ultimate blow up. Well, my question would be, why wouldn't they have reinstated like a, a reserve ratio then by now? 
Like, I like mean, why wouldn't they put the reserve ratio back on before upping interest rates if they knew that interest rates were going to kill reserves under the are, current are you, structure? Are you rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic? Like, I don't really know. I mean, can can you undo something that, like, once once you're this far down and this far gone and, and rates have, like, dude, think how fast the Fed funds rate went up. It went from mm -hmm. 0% to, to 4.75 in, like, a matter of, of 12 months. Like, I'm not sure you could have pulled reserves back you basically would have had to sell a shitload of treasuries uh quickly in order to get those reserves back in the bank and change that so like dude to me this shit is eye-opening and like this is the fed's fault in, in my opinion mm. so you think they made a big fuck up they're just big they made a big boo-boo i i mean i think that they went for market control to stimulate the economy post-covid uh and and who knows if it ties into cbdc's later but like this is these are the facts like fractional reserve banking is a lie and and the more that we dig into it the the less that i believe that there's enough reserves on hand to handle any kind of bank run uh mm -hmm. and and if but you listen have, to they have the money printer so technically true. they have infinite reserves the fed has infinite reserves they can supply whatever the, and 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 the, and and the uh, issue there is is something called stagflation which is which is what we're going to get if we get mass money print so like it's just it's it it blew my mind to to like see all of this and actually put it into practice and understand that like this is what has been talked about and like the one thing that I, I'll close on this and then let's talk about Binance. If you if you watch uh, uh, Jerome Powell's FOMC discussion last Wednesday, he was very very like he was pretty flaky man. He I, I don't remember the exact terms he used, but he was not very confident that the banking industry was in a very comfortable spot. And when he said, you know, when they talked about Credit Suisse, he was like, we'll see. So like to me, there's a lot of there's a lot of like warning signs there. Uh, and, I, and I have a feeling that a lot, a lot of this ties back into that uh, in the back of your mind, you know, what's actually going on scenario. So, yeah, I guess that's kind of what I was yeah, getting. Yeah. At. It seems like they kind of know. Sue Vlocky, I'm kind of with them here. They, they knew so they could have rearranged, but they didn't. I think there was a reason for it. I think they broke things on purpose. Um, because it, it, you know, look at all the backstops. I mean, what's the actual fallout been so far? I, don't I know. mean, they have PhDs, more. like he's saying, they got PhDs, bro. As Nick Drake on says, short, short the academics. Uh, but no, I'm I mean, sure. look, man, it's it's it was it's an interesting thing. Uh, and I wouldn't even say it's something to keep an eye on because it's already done. Like, like now, the reaper, <laughs> like what next is the repercussions. Uh, and so I'll be interested to see what happens from here uh, and then check to see if they make policy changes in the future. Now, you know, do with it what you will. Uh, maybe Bellagio's right. Maybe the banking system is absolutely screwed and Bitcoin, I forget the thing to a million dollars, but uh, sound money is the answer, whether it's gold, Bitcoin, whatever it may be. After knowing this, uh, it does, it's, it, you know, it helps impact and dictate my decisions on a personal level. So uh, that's what I got. Sorry, I didn't mean to yawn. Um, it's it's really helpful when you do. <laughs> I'm so sorry, dude. I'm just so sleepy, For dude. Fuck's sake. It was interesting, man. I promise. Um, I think everyone was was really feeling because I mean that's pretty huge stuff. Um, so we want to talk about Binance now, right? We want to talk about yeah. this other destruction occurring. Here we go. I yeah, that's what. Do you want to you want to take the screen? Yeah. Yeah, I just got to add this to the stream here. 
Yeah, so I found this nice thread. Well, I didn't find it. Elon Musk found it, pushed it to my feed with the, the, the For You feature. Uh, Can you I don't even follow this woman? But she's gone through and she's pulled out a lot of interesting sections from the uh, the lawsuit filing. Here's the can you, can you zoom in, big dog? Oh, yeah, dude. I can zoom in. Is that good? You can see now. There we go. Yeah, so we talked about this already. Wasn't eat the security, not a commodity. They uh describe it as a commodity, Bitcoin, either and Litecoin. Very funny Litecoin. Something I've rarely thought about since 2014. <laughs> um, but good to know it's a commodity now. Another interesting point from the uh Binance lawsuit is like all of this stuff was found in like text like signal chats and the like like uh no one was making they were doing obviously illegal things just in in writing um Dude, they thing, talked about hamas acquiring ak-47 yeah yeah here we go like, this is the next one they're yeah. talking about how hamas can barely afford an ak-47 with 600 dollars but they're talking about amla stuff here they're talking about transactions that they should be watching and they're implying that they know that transactions are for yeah we see the bad but we close two eyes so like they acknowledge that they're receiving suspicious transactions from terrorist organizations and they're saying i mean plausible deniability but not even plausible deniability because you wrote it down like a fucking idiot because a big part of these kinds of lawsuits is often it's a struggle to prove that someone did something illegal like sometimes it's hard to prove that someone was laundering money illegally because they may not have known that it was laundered money right they may have done their due diligence but if they do their due diligence and they have a suspicion and then they write down that suspicion but then they continue with the transaction regardless that makes the case against them a lot stronger yeah not um, really looking good for binance they're gonna get hit with a big fine though probably <laughs> um she also addresses here like that their strategies seem to have originally been to try and decentralize their offices. CZ calls whatever office he's in the main office and they don't give out the locations of any of their offices. So you could be next door to a Binance office and not even know it. Um, let's see the best one here. Well, of course, the 300 house accounts that supposedly belong to CZ that he counter-traded people with. Uh, an interesting expansion of American authority. If you use AWS and Google Suite, you can just be subject to U.S. jurisdiction, which puts uh, pretty much everybody in the crosshairs if they want. Seems like a pretty big overreach to me. Clay, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, so there's a couple of things here that like are highly concerning to me and and you know, CZ has been CZ has been fantastic at deflecting FUD and and staying out of the, you know, like being in the crosshairs but not actually like finding himself within like the true potential of, of disaster and and um the, you know, this is one of the last remaining exchanges we have that I think they do like 90% of, of Bitcoin trading market volume on a daily basis. I, th I think mm -hmm. I read that. It's something, something massive, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, Binance being sued by the CFTC over uh, willful invasion of U.S. unregistered crypto derivatives. So them trading, uh, basically other people, you know, using, uh, using their knowledge of what's going on in the markets to trade against that knowledge. That's very 
uh, uh, FTX, if you will, um, and criminal. And so, you know, I, I like what scares me is that is there a chance here that we see these allegations to, uh, against Binance move past a civil case into a criminal case with like a proven nature um, of ongoing fraud because of all the all the bullshit that we've got in you know basically in this thread that you're going through right now and so uh it's like to me this is this is probably the biggest thing to watch right now um you know that's you know the sbf stuff is it, it is what it is i so i got charged with another like like um you know basically doing uh bribing chinese officials or whatever but like that's that's done um this i hope is something that can be sorted out just civil uh and doesn't become a criminal uh investigation by any means because that would be crippling I believe that it will result only in a fine. That seems to be what I was finding from CFTC lawsuits that they aren't going to like arrest you, but they will find the shit out of you. So we'll see how big the fine is. If they want to do something completely devastating, like five fifty billion or something, <laughs> uh, and try and sink the business, that would be probably the way to go. Um, but I thought this was funny. <laughs> Your um, counterparty on Binance versus, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it. But you know, it, it is it is concerning, and um, it's you know, I think, like I said, I think it's the biggest story to watch right now. Um, I'm assuming that if you're a big CZ fanboy, it is a little disheartening when you read his counter, and he just says that this is all just like fake. <laughs> it's not real. Uh, it's an incomplete recitation of the facts. He he, he just says that we actually do great. AMLA case KYC. We do cooperate with law enforcement. We do not manipulate markets under any circumstances. And it, but it does seem from the text of the the lawsuit that there's some pretty damning words from CZ's own messaging apps that say otherwise. Um, yeah, I mean, at, at the same time, like he's not a U.S. citizen. Mm -hmm. They could go after Binance U.S., but it sounds like they've got you know the the corporate structure in place that you know the two are not exactly commingled. I don't know if that's true or not, and if that could be proven otherwise. But those are the things that I'd be paying attention to moving forward. Is like you know because to your point, like yeah, you could find him um, you know with with a civil suit, but like so anything do, beyond that, if they do prove in a court of law that CZ engages in uh, market manipulation, price manipulation, he front runs his own users uh how would that make you feel about binance would you continue to use binance well like, i mean i think that's gonna affect people's usage of binance that's pretty devastating stuff to hear about you know an exchange that's a complete violation of trust yeah i mean terrorist stuff i mean <laughs> yeah i mean the, the the money laundering stuff i think is is I, I don't know what to say about that i don't know if it goes on on like look there's like Credit Suisse was like we talked about in a previous episode. Uh, they had to pay a $20 million fine for knowingly allowing um, Bulgarian cocaine dealers to to fraudulently funnel money through their bank. So like, you know, crappy things happen in the banking system. So I don't know about that that part of it. But, you know, I, I look, I think in, in the wild, wild west, that was the early days of the exchanges here in crypto. This kind of stuff went on a lot. And so, you know, I'm not I'm not. I wouldn't be shocked if it's true. Um, and I don't really know what the alternatives are if you take out, if you take Binance out of the equation. So, um, it's sushi swap, bro. Yeah. Yeah. It's sushi swap. Uh, so I guess we'll have to see what happens, man. But um, something to keep an eye on and definitely uh, hope that it stays civil and not 
uh, anything bigger than that because it is, uh, you know, it would be it would be a, a massive blow uh, to what has been a year of a lot of, of already, uh, you know, pretty bad blows. So mm-hmm. let's let's talk about something a bit potentially more positive, uh, which is on on the way of uh, dealing the SEC or CFTC blows. Um, my question is: Is XRP trying to tell us something? And so, you know, among a sea of red, uh, XRP has been really one of the only uh, tokens on a a tear, even with Bitcoin's kind of downturn. So we talked about um, March 18th, um, you know, starting that that uptrend and then and losing um, a rising wedge. So like we basically went from 35 cents on the 13th to to almost 50 cents now. And so, as we know, there is the XRP ruling coming very soon from Judge Torres. Uh, the positive price movement in XRP. Do you take it as foreshadowing, or do you take it as like do, do people know something that we don't, uh, or do you think that it's pure speculation? Do I think there's insider trading going on, or is there specu- Is it speculation driving the price pump? No, I, I mean say, I don't mean I don't mean insider trading. I just mean like, do you think that like? Well, I, mean, I guess maybe... look, if they know something that we don't know, Clay. That's insider trading, hmm. and I think that it is insider tra- insider trading. I think I think the SC, the 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 judge is giving ripple oversight over the SEC now, and that's why it's going up so much. Not yeah, I mean, only is Ripple being cleared of charges, Ripple is getting control over the SEC, and it's going to save crypto. Just kidding. I'm being facetious. I do think it's probably the Ripple case is proceeding more positively. Um, maybe yeah. for and maybe insiders are buying up on that. I don't know, or maybe they're communicating that to followers. But to other ways, yeah. I mean, it, it could be. Uh, you know, the judge has been trashing the SEC. I agree with that. It could be buy the rumor, sell the news. Totally. Uh, but you know, I, I will remind everybody of the importance of this case, obviously. Um, and I think that we all probably know uh, how important it is. And I don't know if I lost my uh, my colored bookmarks, but effectively, like if this, you know, if 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 XRP is ruled a security, then you know, then basically Gary Gensler has his day, and it's going to have like like this is this is the one thing in the light of all the bad shit that's happened over the last you know eight to ten months that could be a huge positive for crypto uh and this is something that i think that you know if, if we can oh i think we lost Thanks. clay again oh wait he's back no 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 it's fox news playing an ad gotta love uh you know non non-solicited pop-up ads but uh you know the importance of winning this case is paramount and and so uh, i hope that xrp is foreshadowing something for us that uh, that Ripple is going to come out of this on the other side, labeled not as a security, because that would be a huge win for the space. Awesome. I think you're right, dude. I can't wait to see XRP win. This loss has been going on for a while. Years. That's been yeah, for too long. All right, see, so you ready to talk about the Crypto King? Yeah, yeah. so, so uh, I, I love this story. I feel like we have to, uh, I feel like we have to talk about this. Like, dude, take, take us through this. He's like, this is one of those things that, like, this will be a Netflix documentary. If it's not already, it might be. Uh, this will be a Netflix documentary in no time. So please lay it on me. A little, a little light humor for us. <laughs> I mean, it's a little dark. You got to have a little dark taste to find it that to find it. Fun. It is kind of funny, but anyway, this guy, Canada, the, the Canada Crypto King, he's twenty three years old, and he got tortured. <laughs> he got captured and tortured uh, for a three million dollar ransom. 
but he was a scammer. He wasn't a real crypto. I mean, he was a crypto king if you consider like a like scamming being a core crypto value. <laughs> um, but yeah, 23 of Ontario was taken in Toronto and held hostage by kidnappers and they beat the hell out of them. They rubber hosed them and uh, they wanted a $3 million bounty <laughs> or ransom. But as you can see here, he lived quite the life of luxury. He had private jets. He had a lot of mansions. He got to meet Machine Gun Kelly. And uh, he was really living a great life. He had Lambos. But he got his money by scamming the shit out of people, by claiming to be a really good crypto trader. And he raised like $40 million in investment and invested 2% of the funds and took the rest to live his life. So it's a little bit of like karma here. But it really reminded me when I saw all this. Well, it reminded me of more than one influencer I see on Twitter that likes to post like their Rolexes, them being in the private jets, their BMWs, very new money shit. <laughs> uh, and it reminded me of this video from Vice I saw a long time ago. A very classic <laughs> criminal line where you target a guy who has, yeah, exactly. If you're flaunting your wealth online, it's not just like dumbass people that like to see other people be rich that are watching. It's straight up criminals. And if you're a crypto guy, I mean, that makes you a way bigger target. It's way easier, quote unquote, to launder crypto money. And also, if you're a scammer, I mean, no one really gives a shit <laughs> that you got your shit took like of all the like there's all kinds of scams that go on in this space but like of all the scams like this is the most you know the most unsophisticated one that i've seen in a while uh, i love the fact that he was he was coined the 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 canadian crypto king uh kidnapped and held for three million dollars ransom but i mean like like you said dude the guy took 40 he was able to i don't like who gives this guy's 23 years old by the way uh, who gives them, you know, a 23-year-old $41.5 million that he, he received. He invested 670000 of it, uh, less than 2% into crypto, spent $16 million on personal lifestyle, private jets, elaborate vacations, exotic vehicles, Ferraris, four Audis, three Lamborghinis, three McLarens, a Land Rover, and a BMW. Like, that is the, that is the ultimate YOLO of other people's money that I've ever, ever seen. It's like, I mean, I just, I thought this story was... Horrible, but also fantastic. Uh, and it's just like, it's just, <laughs> it's like such a wild, wild west, you know, typical scene. You know that meme that's been going around that's like, if your financial advisor looks like this and they're wearing like, like fucked up pants, like pants that don't fit at all. I think it's this one here. One second. All right. Well, here's the point I was trying to make. This guy already made the meme, but. It's like if your financial advisor looks like this, you're getting robbed 100%. <laughs> if your guy dresses like he's trying to be a model, you're going to fucking lose. You want your financial advisor to look like a complete and total schlub. You want him to look like he he hasn't slept in 20 years because he's just doing accounts the whole time. Yeah, I mean, it's it, like th this part of the uh, like the end of the article is like actually a bit sad, like not sad but like 
Uh, like actually it's not sad at all, but I want to know what he did to then try to get the money back. Like it basically, as his losses started to mount, uh, he took aggressive positions. I mean, like probably, uh, leverage trading or, or something to, uh, something to that effect to try to get this money back, which we, I think we both know, uh, was absolutely not going to happen. It's like, who, who would give that much money to, to someone like this dude? Like what, like, are you nuts? Uh, lots of people. As we've come to find out in the crypto space, lots of people will um, just people get the stars in their eyes. You know what I mean? They they start to think like magic can happen. I'm just going to give all my money to like a, a wonderkind. It's it's out of control, um, guys. So in, instead of because uh, we we were going pretty quickly today. So instead of uh, Instead of uh, picking the funniest comment, if you can ta uh, type in hashtag or hashtag BlockBytes into the YouTube comments right now, uh, we'll just we'll just do a drawing for the uh, the FBA tokens, and uh, whoever wins them is uh, you know. Oh, all, right, all right, we had some real clowns in the chat today. I mean, did you do you want to do you want to pick one? If you do, then that that works too. Hmm, let me see. I know Mikey starred a couple. I'm gonna look at the starred ones here. All right. Clay gives me giving me where's his ledger on a lanyard vibes. It's pretty good. <laughs> Similar to Clay, I lay in bed and think about Janet Yellen. I do like that. Uh, uh, I like Ryan Collins. So tell me what you think about this one. Ryan Collins, let's all go to our banks and get a loan, then put into UST. That way the banks won't have any money and we all get 20% APY. <laughs> That's pretty good. You like that one, Clay? I mean, it's I it's yours feel, to choose, man. There was I'm like kind of feeling Bobby's spot. I think Bobby wins, dude. I think Bobby wins <laughs> saying you were a ledger on the lanyard. What, I don't know what, if it's just your hoodie or what. What uh all right, what so so Bobby wins. What's uh what was the comment? Uh Clay giving me where's his ledger on the lanyard vibes. <laughs> all right. Uh well, you know what? We'll do two giveaways. Since some of you have already typed in hashtag BlockBytes, if other people want to type it in, I'll uh, I'll I'll click the button and we'll we'll give away two uh, 51 token FBAs. And uh, Bobby, do me a favor, bro. Put your uh, put your Twitter handle into the chat if you are still watching this, por favor. Uh, that way we can uh, contact you. As otherwise, it's a pain in the ass. And uh, Bobby is printing infinite money from BlockBytes giveaways. I was going to make a joke about Beavis, about how I trust the Oath ecosystem because he dresses like uh, not like that influencer guy, but he does he does be wearing those expensive wizard shirts. So I don't know. Maybe he's embezzling <laughs> funds for those expensive magical threads. I mean, dude, the one the one thing I will say, uh, a takeaway from all of this is like, decentralized finance has never been needed more than it is now and 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 de and decentralized reserve currencies in forms of fiat or not fiat excuse me in form of stable coins have never been needed more than they are now and i can see why there is such a fight to stop what's going on in this industry uh and so mikey would you stop typing the word block whites you're going to enter us into the chat man and we can't we can't win <laughs> um all right we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go another 15 seconds here, and then I'm gonna click the uh, the draw. We got 14 draws. If you're if you're Ten, if you're watching this, hit nine, the like button, guys. Eight, seven, um, six. I don't know if Bobby ever 
Four, then his three, uh, two, one. You got to hit it, Clay. Oh, shit. I thought it was Mr. Clean for a second. Not us. Not no us. way is it going to be Beavis, dude. This shit's rigged, dude. Hey, hey Mac Hawk. Hawk. Let's Hell go. Yeah. All right. Uh, Mac, hit me uh, with the uh, hit me with your Twitter handle, if you don't mind, on uh, the comments here. Bobby, if you can do the same. I, um, besides that, just reach out to me directly on Twitter. Uh, we will get that facilitated. And uh, yeah, man, all good. Corval, you got anything else for today, buddy? No, I just want to thank everyone for joining us. It was a pretty fun one. Chat was really active today. I loved it. Um, it was it was a good chat, dude. I hope you guys all found it as informative as I did. Like and subscribe. Hit the bell button. Retweet. Yeah. And all that. Yeah. Do us a favor. Every time we, we put out that, that tweet to, to go live at this show, give us a retweet. Let people know what's going on. Uh, we appreciate you guys. You show up every single day right along with us. It's been uh, it's always fun to do this. So thank you. And uh, I think we're good to get out of here, Corval. So I will see you manana. Everybody have an awesome Tuesday. Peace out. Bye.